I may never have met you. We don't go way back. Maybe we wouldn't even be friends if we did. But when you wear a mask, you have my respect. Because your mask doesn't protect you. It protects me. I wear my mask to protect you. Be New York tough. Mask up, America. podcast going through David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. This week we are up to season four, episode f- 15, Race Ipsa Loquitor. I-, I love how that I couldn't say 15, but I was able to get through the quasi-Latin. This is Oops episode 76. How's it going, Mike? It's going great. I'm so nervous because we got started very quickly today and generally it takes us hours to get the launch sequence down properly. So I'm nervous. <laughs> I should feel relieved, but I feel very stressed <laughs> out with the whole thing. Yeah, well, no, but look, whatever happens, happens. That's, that is the what our podcast is. It could be That's a true. hot mess uh, like I was yesterday. We didn't record yesterday. I have, I have to tell my heroic story. Please I, do. I, I was going to give you a pat on the back, but I think it's it's more on brand for us to It's more on brand ourselves. if I just bring it up myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God, what a mess. No, but yesterday, low-cal Keith, I did my long run. Uh, Jillian and I, we did the 10-miler yesterday. Uh, now, I have to, just to be very clear, because as you can see, still chubby. So I did not run all 10 of those miles, but we, we did about... Eight and a half of our Jeffing, uh, which was Jeff Galloway. Uh, check him out. It was it was actually pretty good. Like it was it was fun. It was hot as balls, so I took your advice and we stopped for water at twice uh, throughout it. And uh, yeah, I'm. It was pretty gross by the end. Like we now the principle between Galloway's method, just for those at home listening who might be interested oh, wow. in getting off the couch a little bit is that, so a lot of people don't make it far into a fitness or a rush, I shouldn't say fitness, a running plan because it's very hard and getting in, you get in shape much slower than you lose shape, It, as it turns out scientifically. <laughs> so 
And not to mention, as you get older, running is just really bad for you physiologically, like on your knees and cartilage and bone and all that stuff. And so his principle is that by working in, uh, the way we're designed, basically, we are walking creatures. So right. they've the science shows that you recover much quicker walking than you do running. And so by mixing in uh, staggered walks throughout your run, you actually prolong how long you can run, you quicken how uh, quickly your fitness elevates, and you actually are motivated to stay with it because the uh, the barrier to entry mentally is is less because you know you have breaks coming up. And and a lot of people actually end up lowering their race splits because they don't they 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 kind of preserve their body throughout a long run. So if you're training for a marathon, a lot of people find out that by incorporating walks, they actually end up finishing the marathon sooner. So it's a great method. I recommend it. I'm actually adopting it back myself. So are you really? Yeah. I, I was wondering because like you've now apparently done a great deal of research on this that I have not done. Well, when I first started running, I did. Uh, oh, you did? I just, yeah. I then started getting, uh, I was actually running pretty quickly. So I, I abandoned that method because you, if you were trying for like, sub three and a half hour marathons it's it's a little bit harder to walk i was really happy i got a sub three and a half hour 10 miles yeah so anyway that's <laughs> like, not I mean, that's not on. the point the point yeah. is uh it I, I i've interrupted your story already so back to your heroic tale yesterday oh no uh, that oh that's it the uh, i two disgusting things happen i i have i have two uh, I, I'm going to wrap up this story with a disgusting thing to begin it and a disgusting thing to end it. And okay. the end was I was literally able to wring out my socks. That's how hot it was. That was gross. Have you ever run 10 miles before? Yes. Yeah. Back okay. uh, like five years ago, um, I was I did all of the training for for a half and then never did it, mm -hmm. which is, you know, entirely like me. So I, I did. We actually ran like 11, like actually kept going we didn't walk uh I, I have no aspirations to do that now um but the so the first disgusting thing is we got back we we drove jillian and i we drove back to astoria this week um disgusting because i i have to move some stuff out of yeah, right i have to move stuff out of the office and we're gonna uh head back to astoria now to use as a home base because we're looking for our next place um, anyway, so we got back, we were, it was late, we were tired, we were, let's order a pizza. And so I was like, Jillian, this has been a stressful day, you get to pick out whatever pizza you could possibly want, and I will eat it. And, uh, wouldn't you know... Oh, How God, brave you're... of you, by the way. How brave, Keith. Well, I didn't realize... You order pizza I... and I'll eat it. That's a real I thought I uh... Look, I thought I might get something disgusting like mushrooms, but I Pineapple. did not. Uh yes, so the two the ingredients. Chew. Oh, man, that was that was horrible. I'm so sorry, <laughs> audience. Uh, yes, so the two toppings that my lovely wife chose. You were right, pineapple and anchovies. Oh God! Well, you know <laughs> what? You asked for it. You set. You t-balled that right up. I totally did, but I, you know, I I didn't didn't know that she would. Uh, it was like she's pranking herself. <laughs> Did she do that just to screw with you, or that's no, what she was no, she really longing for anchovy and pineapple pizza? She genuinely just just liked it. So uh, as a result, I fueled my fat guy slow run that morning with pineapple and anchovy pizza, and you know what? It worked. So 
maybe that is uh, the next cool thing we do. Well, here's to you, everyone out there who likes pineapple and anchovy pizza. <laughs> okay, well, my wife, uh, intern, is back. However, she's an... This is dedication. She's like, the office manager. You're right. Assistant regional assistant to the office manager. So... <laughs> We're very self-deprecating, obviously, about the pod, Keith, and about, uh, but we're very happy for our listeners. And it's it is weird to me. I will tell you, as someone who's not used to be being supported <laughs> by most of my family <laughs> in any in any venture, yeah, the fact that enough. my wife actually genuinely listens to our podcast that we produce makes I don't even know the feels. No, it's amazing. I'm I I am gratified by it, and I'm not I'm not even married to her. So. She got back from her vacation last week, uh, yesterday, and she, I asked if she wanted to jump on the call today, and she said, well, no, I'm an episode back. I want to make sure I catch up. I don't want to be spoiled for the next episode. <laughs> so she's not with us today because she doesn't want to spoil the podcast. Spoiler alert. Oh, that's amazing. That's so, so sweet. It's Your the most loved the I think person. I've ever felt. I, I truly, that is truly the sweetest thing I've ever heard. I'm also making a concerted effort before we start the show today okay, to okay. maintain a faux fourth wall eye contact because Ooh. I was uh, editing through last week and and we definitely check ourselves out a little too much. <laughs> now, part <laughs> of that was Advil cam and part of it is that we have like NASA or a, a SpaceX launch shuttle taking place. <laughs> so we have to, oh. there is a lot to pay attention to. Yeah, seriously, I should do, I should do a screenshot. We should both screenshot like... <laughs> The What's unbelievable happening? amount of things. I, I can't, I have two giant monitors and I <laughs> cannot fit everything, especially I'll at the top a, of the show. Yeah, I'm afraid to do it right now only because the, that extra little bit What else you're logged of, into? Yeah, that extra bit of RAM might send us over the top and, and careen yeah, back enough. towards Earth. Fair enough. Yeah, well, we can do a faux version. But uh, I guess we should uh, jump in and talk about what people are talking about. Let's do it. And we call that segment... Okay, well, we're gonna. I, I've got a couple of fun things, and then we're gonna finish with uh, an. Um, oh, look at that! We have a. You added a, a an F and S. What have you done to my graphics, sir? It's. Uh, you'll notice. Well, you missed it because you were talking, but uh, it's an. It animated. It was a little gravel. A Does gavel. <laughs> that, a gravel. Yeah, gravel. <clears throat> oh man, I missed the animations. Well, oh, you know, boy. I'm sure you watch it on the YouTube. Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, I do that. All right, so uh, we heard from Jorge talking about last episode, and he says, let the record reflect how offended Richard and others were at being called little and not a peep about the Nazi portion of the insult, because uh, I think Eleanor called him a little Nazi, and I, he's totally right. That's it's It is so funny that people just didn't clock that as what it was. I, I think it's because back then being a Nazi was a ridiculous thing. And so it, no one would, could possibly think you were being serious because oh, that was a ridiculous that, like thing a, to be. Like a hot knife through butter with his cutting political commentary. <laughs> you know, like because they weren't cool then. Like it was like people didn't want to be associated with it. It was sort of like a thing you would couldn't imagine. Uh, yeah. Anyway, he also well, now says... We, now we put it on a t-shirt and say it's a political oh, campaign t-shirt. <sighs> okay, anyway. Uh, 
He also says, and yes, we need to ring the Game of Thrones shame bell at Keith, me, for not having seen the Sandlot forever, ever. And he's not the only person who talked about the Sandlot. Uh, Phoenix wrote, writes, Okay, Mike, since you asked me specifically, yeah, I did see the Sandlot a couple of times as a kid, though I haven't seen it since... I have not since, so I can't say whether it holds up or that Keith would enjoy it as an adult, but I do remember quite vividly, so it's quite vividly, so it certainly left an impression. I, I remember it felt like I was getting a glimpse into what childhood was like for the previous generation as it was set in 1962. Uh, yeah. I still haven't seen it, but uh, I, I, I probably won't. You gotta watch it. <laughs> I'm sure it's streaming somewhere. It's really a good, it's a, and James Earl Jones is so good in it. Yeah. Well, I love James Earl Jones. I just, I'm not a big fan of sports movies for the same reason. I'm not a big fan of uh, musical movies because they're things that I want to be live that aren't. Yeah. It's much uh, less, I'll say this. It's much less a sports movie and more yeah, sure, in the, of course. it's like a nostalgic Goonies movie. Right. It's much Which more Goonies than sports. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Everything. Yeah, it's every, like right now everything is nostalgic to me. It, every, literally every memory you have. Look at them. They're like, you know, able to speak to other people. Did he just shake somebody's hand? Oh my god. I, well, yeah. we'll talk about it in a few minutes when we eventually when we get to sports ball. Baseballs come back and it, uh, it gave me a lot of feels. Yeah, no, I'm hockey's coming soon. I'm excited. Uh, all right. Phoenix also talks about we were uh, he says, Mike, I run into a similar issue as I watch older shows almost exclusively. The issue is uh, spoilers on IMDb. He says, I have a rule against starting a show until it's at least three seasons in. I'm kind of the same, Phoenix. Like, I do not want to get excited about something and then have it be canceled. Uh, so when I want to look something up on IMDb without running into spoilers, I just go to Google and type in the episode name plus IMDb and it takes me right to that episode page. Oh, that's a good idea. Mm -hmm. Then all you have to do is scroll past the description to avoid spoilers on that particular episode. No future episodes can be spoiled by looking up actors that way. That's smart. Very, very cool. I responded, but I'll say to the rest of the audience, it's smarter than what my technique has been, which I call the squint method. Mm -hmm. which is mm -hmm. and when I'm dealing with something on the net I don't want spoiled or if I'm watching a TV episode and I have to fast forward and want to make sure I don't overshoot it I just squint my eyes so that it's blurred out enough that it's <laughs> <laughs> that I can't quite m m take uh I can't think of universe I can't think of words right now I I can't make out what's on the screen and uh yeah. I I do the same thing with sports spoilers Mhm mm which now, uh, you know, being an old person, I have enough autonomy that I, if there's a sports thing I care about, I just don't do the thing that would get in the way of the sports thing I care about. But definitely like trying to, if I miss like a hockey game and I'm trying to uh, log on to NHL.TV and watch it without seeing the scores. So I'm like doing this, trying to click and start the game. It's, it's ridiculous. So much sports. Uh, now, of course, we're going to get some shit about that because uh, Phoenix says, as someone who had to sit through 20-year-old sports and weather when I can't reach my phone fast enough to skip it, a discussion about the laser disc compression was riveting. And uh, I will, you guys went on for a while, but I'm very happy to say I was right about Hashtag the laser Keith disc. Hashtag was right. 
I have no idea why I was right about that. I was talking out of my ass, but sometimes you're right. Uh, I want to so I want to interject Keith there. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I started thinking, well, if laser dicks were <laughs> <laughs> laser dicks on Cinemax. <laughs> That's actually the first band Keith and I started was a synth pop band called Laser Discs. Laser Dicks. Uh, <laughs> you got it wrong twice in a row. <laughs> That time you got it wrong by getting it right. That's amazing. Uh, my whole life has been that way. <laughs> uh, what was I saying? Oh, yes. So I was thinking, well, if that's if it topped out at 480, and that's what TV was probably 360, right? Uh, 320. 320. I'm just saying numbers now. I'm thinking, well, actually, well, then actually 320 why? by 240. So the 480 is the is the up part. Right. So, so why did LaserDiscs look so great? And then I remembered that the majority of things I watched, because this is way before TiVo, so Keith and I were lucky enough to have VCRs, so I would tape stuff off TV, sure. obviously. But because I, it was limited how many blank tapes I had, I would record on SLP. You know, so sure. you'd get the 12 oh hours. God. So the quality of the recordings I was getting from a TV signal on a VHS that had been re-recorded a thousand times on SLP was really bad resolution, bad. which is why laser discs looked like un like the future. Well, also, and I was also right that it's it sometimes looks better than DVDs because it's not compressed; it's analog as Phoenix pointed out. So if you thought so, you were only going to get one week of us discussing <laughs> laser disc resolution, shame on you. Next you week, two. stay tuned for our four-hour discussion on Betamax. Our next podcast, the Laser Dicks Podcast. <laughs> laser Dicks Podcast. Oh, my God. Um, also, Phoenix is very upset that I'm finally on board for the weather segment. My intervention is too late. Mike's found an enabler. Uh, okay. wait till you, no, you forget Mike is profoundly lazy. So you watch how I start cutting corners already here on week three of it. Oh, well, I'm looking forward to that. Okay, so <laughs> here's something special we have. So last week, uh, you off the cuff asked Jorge how many times... I think we had... save it. I think we save that for oopsies. You want to save that for oopsies? Oh, okay. Very good. So never mind. We are not going to do that section, so I have to leave another thing open for a very long time. And we can finally move on with our show and ask the eternal question. On February 20th, the year 2000, what were you doing? This day in the basement. Oh, look at that. Cute. You've animated the segments. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh my God, this is out of control. Mike yeah. has been busy. His wife was out of town for the week. And look out, I need to watch the screen because stuff is happening. It's not happening it is, as smoothly as I would have liked. I forgot that when I tested all of this, you weren't on the feed. So uh, I think it looks great. I think it looks terrific. Oh, so we're in the segment now, yes. We've, yeah, we're in the segment. We've arrived. Yeah, see, what happens is I play the song right. and then we talk about stuff. But... Because uh, we're an audio podcast, and right, this right, video right, right. part is just for fun. Uh -huh. But uh, <laughs> do you mean if by fun you mean it's my third full time job now? <laughs> no, no, no. I I choose this. I choose this mad madness. Yes, um, yes. We brought this on yourself. Um, yeah. So 
as we discussed last week and the weeks previous, I'm sort of on a hiatus from education and I'm back home and I'm receiving sort of the cold shoulder of disappointment from my family, my parents. Yikes. That's sad. And this is before everything starts going downhill with my dad and his health and such. But what I do, what I wanted to point out this time is that, you know, throughout this, my buddy Wesley, who's been my friend since high school, we met kind of through theater, really, and music, and have been best friends ever since. But at this time, after our school, he was actually really pragmatic. He just, he really hated his last two years of high school, just the education portion, and realized that he didn't really want to just spend money and go to college right away. So what he ended up doing was he just went right to work. He started working as a pencil pusher at a, an, let me get this right, a pension, a pension administration firm. Oh, geez. He's really Don't smart, go. though. Yeah. And what actually ends up happening, I'll, a quick future story, is that he ends up working for that place, uh, going to another pension administration firm, working there for some years, going to college online, getting a degree in whatever pension administrators do. I won't pretend to know I really understand the nuance of the field, but the guy who runs, owned and ran that firm was retiring, so he set up a secession plan, and long story short, to this to today, my buddy Wes owns that place. No kidding. So he started working right out of high school and now owns the company, uh, which is pretty awesome. Well, you know, you have a lot more options when you're uh, smart. Mm-hmm. That helps. That, that really does. We should, we should have tried that. Uh, but anywho, in, yeah. when I returned home at this period... Uh, what was really great is that since, uh, you know, all my friends had gone off to college except for my buddy Wes, who was working, so I actually got to spend a ton of time with him. And our relationship oh. uh, even further developed and rooted itself in loyalty, and I ended up being the best man at his wedding. He ended up being the best man at my wedding. And Aww. now he uh, he adopted his beautiful son, and... His wife is amazing, and we're all family friends, and it's just been kind of really cool. So that's adorable. And you adopted a globe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I figured like I needed to be holding something too. <laughs> so I guess what I'm saying is that, you know, as I keep mentioning and foreboding about the uh, that's not a verb to be said, but <laughs> you're foreboding. Yeah. Don't you some, forebode some, at me? Some dark shit starts to happen in my life in the next year or so, but. I, it was. I'm lucky because I had some good good buddies around, and and so I, I thought I'd take a moment to, to shout out Wes. How nice! Very nice. Well, I'm a nice guy. What can I say? Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, you're gonna have a nice story, and I'm just going to, uh, you know, explode into a supernova of narcissism because <laughs> what I remembered this <laughs> today was that uh, I have we skipped over Christmas, the Christmas cop-out number three. Now, you mm. all have heard from clips from Christmas cop-out number one and Christmas cop-out number two. And uh, because you're listening to this, you're clearly tolerant of my bullshit. So if you will look at the uh, the graphics there, it is so perfect because it's me. I do all of this work. I've recorded an entire album. This is... Very early, bad Photoshop. I have no idea what I'm doing. 
and I still can't even, there's like 12 words on there. I still spelled something wrong and gave it to my parents, the public school teachers, and like they pretended to be proud of me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this week I'm going to play a track from a, a song I put on there. I was feeling wistful and I wrote a song called Home. I struck out to at last begin my life. And I realized Out I just basically just ripped off. Uh, oh, <laughs> use this opportunity to eat. I basically ripped off something from um, Little Shop. So, so a little bit suddenly Seymour. Only a little. A little bit. I'll allow it. And hear my weird, like, still teenage voice. on my own SP88 So that was like I know it's it's a, a blazingly cheesy but it's it's a it's like the perfect like 19 20 year old song because like it's okay yeah but it's hard to to see something as cheesy when you're so committed to it like you are feeling those feels and so <laughs> you know you go with it well, I, it's it's so funny. Like I'm so sheltered growing up in a little town in Vermont. Like I was just baffled by a homeless person. I was like, "What? How? What? What is that? What?" And this was the president. So there you go. Yeah. Right. Uh. Anyway. So and my I listened to the song today before we did this, and I was like, it rhymes, but. I'm just sort of saying words that rhyme that don't really have any relationship to each other. So there's a lot. Of, there's been a lot of development in the last 20 years. But uh, anyway, I so that was so. Christmas cop out number three. And that was the least embarrassing track on it. And there's like 23 tracks. <laughs> but uh, on that one, you know, Scott and Sean, my brothers, were both on it this time. Uh, Scott even sang a couple of songs on the uh as he was pursuing a professional hockey career, which was pretty awesome. We got the full oh. Varney, the full Varney uh, Hansen Mbop crew. Mbop indeed. All right. It's time for the Out of Practice Podcasts This ah. Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, that. and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. Wow, you have really you've you spent a lot of time uh, downloading video templates. <laughs> Green screen globe going around. Amazing. Um, do you hear that is... incredible uh, keyboard sound effect I can do? Listen again. Yeah. Wow. Clackety clack. Wow. That's still us. Still us. All of the uh, all the video templates aside, it's still us. <laughs> all right. Well, if I can find it, the number one song. Strangely, we went backwards because I knew I loved you. Some Savage Garden retook the number one stop on the charts. 
So, on uh, February 20th, 2000, the Burlington Free Press talked about Bush being victorious in the South Carolina primary because we are now deep into the 2000 presidential primary and uh, George Bush would ultimately be victorious. The top movie was The Whole Nine Yards, which took in $13 million. It was uh, the Bruce Willis right. and uh, the guy from Friends. Chandler, right? Chandler from Friends. So thank you, cover. Matthew Perry? Yes, Matthew Perry. Yeah, it's not, we only do a TV podcast. We should Matthew know. Springsteen. What did I? Matthew Springsteen. <laughs> Bob Odenkirk? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's, it's Cameron you know how McIntosh. Good I am with this, yeah. <laughs> okay. Bob Hoskins. It's, that's time, it's, time. Time. it's time for sports. sports. John McClare scored his 30th goal of the season with seven minutes remaining to put the Flyers over the Rangers 3-2. Damon Lankow and Mikel Rainberg also scored for Philadelphia. John Van Biesburg got the win in net. The Bruins tied the Leafs 3-3 with goals from Joe Thornton, Sean Bates, and Andre Savage. Byron Defoe relieved Bruins starter Robbie Tallis for reasons not discoverable on HockeyReference.com. <laughs> Okay, you guys, you are so close to the end of the nonsense. But for the first time, for the first time, where, where am I? I am not going to pretend that I'm not starting the weather cue because I'm finally on board for... Weather. Yeah! Yes! Can you tell me the, the weather? weather? Oh, I'm about to. Cause we all need to know Was it hot or did it snow? Tell me the weather From 21 years ago Oh, I'm about to do that. Yeah, you do, Will. Well, we are talking about the weather from... Oh, no, where's my graphic? There we go. February 20th, the year 2000. King of Prussia, let me tell you, it was cold. 21 degrees Fahrenheit was the low, and it was raining, but not as bad as in Rochester where it was snowing. Of course low, it was. 18 degrees. Keith had nobody to keep him warm, at least nobody who meant it. Sorry, Keith. I always take that moment to dig whoa. you. But whoa, at least whoa. the sun was peeking through those clouds with Bobby and the crew. And this was your time machine <laughs> weather. I only gave myself 20 seconds. <laughs> All right. Well, the corner cutting has begun. He's now doing it live. <laughs> Actually, it was easier to just record it, so I might go back. <laughs> okay. I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value, and I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to talk about the damn episode. Okay, we are finally talking about the practice. Remember, this is a podcast about the practice. That's true. Uh, Would you believe are. that? It's I can't actually wait about to talk the practice. About it. Yeah, okay. So we are talking about season four, episode 15, Race Ipsa Loquitur. Now, I asked Jillian what that was as a someone who took a lot of Latin, and she explained the second part. She didn't understand the first part, but we'll understand it when we watch the episode because it's possible... There's a little bit of non-Latin in there. Okay, oh, so this okay. episode was written by David E. Kelly. It was directed by one of my favorites, Alex Graves from The West Wing, who last directed Closet Justice, which leaves us with only one more thing to do. 
that supposed to mean? What's yeah. your problem? Yes, is get this it. what happens to women when you insert your penis? What? What, what does my thing's gonna happen? Now, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? Keith, we're back, baby. We've got... <laughs> we've got previously on. And we talk about... Get ready for it. Do you guys remember <laughs> Henry Winkler was on the show? Yes. And he took the fall for his son, who then committed suicide, which basically damned Henry Winkler to spend his life in prison? Yes. Well, that's what we're reminded of. What that has to do with weird Latin? No idea. So I'm going to say that the Fonz, or Henry Winkler's character, whose name escapes me, George, maybe? No, that was Vogelman. <laughs> Sure. We'll, we'll know shortly. He has been getting a little too Fonzie and getting in fights in lockup in prison. And so push came to shove and he had to strangle a man to death in prison. The oh. Fonz. And Was now there... J Jimmy has to defend prison Fonz prison from... Fonz. from from, I'm sure it'll be Helen. <laughs> so <laughs> that's it. Prison Fonz is getting himself in trouble uh, by uh, Fonzing it up in the lockup. Is, is that a good enough guess? I think that's a perfectly good guess. I'm trying to make eye contact with the camera, but it's strange because I don't make eye contact with anyone. Right. But I'm doing my best. Okay. Well... Guys, it's now time to click over to your regular podcasting service. Listen, there's going to be a link in the YouTube. And if you're crazy, uh, when we flip over to the next slide, you can just QR code it. It'll take you right to uh, QR an, code. an online Radio Public uh, page that'll jump you right to the, the podcast episode. So now, are you going to put the link back in the episode notes? Because you got shit from Phoenix. Not doing that this week. No, no, no. It wasn't the episode notes. I think he, Phoenix was mentioning that I didn't give him a verbal cue to go from podcast back to YouTube, like when oh, we were a switching. Verbal cue. Yeah, oh, okay. definitely the link is in there. So uh, maybe I mean, unless you listen to it instantly, in which case it takes me a while to get the links up. But we'll make sure to give you a verbal cue to come back. So now we've got a QR code. We've got a link in both descriptions on YouTube and in the podcast. Wow. And we'll and we'll tell you exactly when you switch back and forth <laughs> we are here for you guys i think mike might be having some sort of a nervous breakdown <laughs> he needs help because <laughs> not only are you just we're animated now apparently i'm like i'm getting texts with like all right we need a two shot with a this and we need this and i need to crop this and move that oh my lord my wife's and been then out you gave town. up on me i have been alone for the first time for a week in four months. And so I I didn't realize how quickly I would become bored and lonely and run out of things to do. So I just started. <laughs> I just started uh, boredom and loneliness is what fuels this podcast. Yeah, well, it was its inception. It will be its demise. And it is the fuel that runs it in the interim. Yes, indeed. Okay, All right. so... Jump on over to the episode, and unless you're on YouTube, in which case you don't have to listen to this ad for Anchor. Season 4, episode 15, 
The practice. Race ipsa loquitur. Yeah. You can already tell it's Alex Graves because we have a beautiful dolly shot through two different sets of bars of Jimmy and Bobby going into a prison. Very ominous scoring. Very cinematic. Alex Graves is great. Looks like they've come into... Oh, Henry Winkler. Henry. Is in a in hospital medical bed. lockup. And he got the shit beat out of him. Well, you're hey. already right on part uh, one. What happened? They tried to rape me. I'm not sure the happy days and in the bonds ever covered uh, prison rape. Two of them. Doesn't seem like I covered it. my ass. My face didn't fare so well. Doctors say you're gonna be okay. I want solitary, Jimmy. I don't want to be in the general population anymore. Can you get me solitary, Jimmy? Forever? You got a life sentence. I don't care. Please. You gotta get me solitary. Get me solitary. So he's asking for solitary confinement so that he doesn't encounter that issue again. It's technically considered torture by the UN. So so that's a pretty dire thing that he's talking about. You know, being in solitary for the rest of his life, which is uh, really, really rough. So but, is there any way to is there any way to kind of put together how long he's been in prison at this point? I don't know. It seems like he's been there at least six, eight months. He's been there for a while. Yeah, it's been a while. I would imagine. But it, it it's hard to tell with these times. Like in all of this time in the practice, have a year gone by, have six years right. gone by. Uh, that is tough. What a tough thing to weigh. The, but more importantly. I think the more important question about this episode, are we finally going to figure out what the fuck was happening with the jelly of the woman who got murdered by her son after crushing the bugs? There was jelly all over her face and down her throat, and nobody has thought to explain why three episodes into this. So let's find out. Well, it, whether they whether they bring it up or not, Keith, you and I are going to have to use the clues laid out in this final episode of this trilogy to decide mm-hmm. what the jelly had to do with anything. Okay, One way or the other, right. we have to figure it out. We will make a determination. Okay. Richard, I want to reopen the Henry Olsen case. On what grounds? On the grounds he's innocent. Jimmy, I told you, bring me new evidence and I can do There's no new evidence, but that doesn't change the truth. The guy didn't do it. Look, I got a pretrial. Can we talk later? Uh, yeah. Richard Bay of Pigs Listen, is really... If the DA goes yeah. forward... That's not going to happen. Presents Why? For because your conviction show. rate... Because I don't believe he's innocent. Got a good West Wing walk and talk the there for a second? The case went to verdict. The right man is serving time. I need a favor here. I'm sorry. No. I filed a petition to reopen. Clyde Miller, murder in the first degree. Hold on. Richard Bay for the Commonwealth, Your Honor. We oppose bail of any kind. The suspect is obviously a flight risk, not to mention... Is he represented? Inogen, we're waiting for somebody from the PD's office. Mr. Berluti. 
Come meet your new client. I'm not oh, taking appointments today, Judge. Oh, I'm afraid you are. This we'll enter a not the guilty time. for right now. Meet with Mr. Miller, then we'll conference. Your Honor, I can't take. Are you in trial, Mr. Berluti? So it can it can come to pass that you get arrested, Keith. Mm-hmm. You can't afford an attorney right. because you're living off a podcast host's salary. <laughs> Is there a salary? Oh, I haven't. You just you haven't getting the checks I've been sending. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, the royalties are really, it's, it's oh raining royalties over here. <laughs> so you could show up to your arraignment, and because nobody showed up from the public defender's department, they just see somebody in the gallery and they say, hey, that's your lawyer? Like that Johnny Cochran's the- there, like cleaning his watch and gets mm-hmm. pulled in? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I think, I, I think that is possible. But, if uh, the podcast but- is shit, you must acquit. Oh, that was more clever than it had any right to be. No, no, no. Meet with Mr. Miller. Next case, please. People versus Megan Fowler. We should do. That judge. I was trying to come up in my head with a Johnny Cochran thing with judge, but I could only. (laughs) I could. I could. If you like fudge. Find out who's the judge. I, I can't. I couldn't come up with anything. So, <laughs> if your record is smudged, you need a judge. Mm. All right. Uh, I tried to cover your ass, Keith, but your joke didn't fare much better. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I I tried to protect you. <laughs> You're like, no! I'm planting my flag. <laughs> Yeah, they were like, you know what, guys? This is a really, a really tense moment in the show. We're opening with this. Should we put a joke in? Well, it is Henry Winkler. We can't get. We have to see if he can work the joke in. I don't think it was. Oh, God. It was definitely a joke. Yeah, I don't know. Delivered anyway. as a joke. It was delivered as set up punchline with Henry Winkler. He just happened to be have his ass beat at the time. His face bugs pummeled. But <laughs> you tell me, audience, was I off base there? I'm pretty sure they tried to play it like a joke. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. One way or the other. Anyway. All right. Uh, oh, Who's judge. the judge? The judge is played by Deborah Mooney from Grey's Anatomy, Dead Poet Society, Everwood, Tootsie, and plays a different judge on Boston Legal. Which we'll be getting to uh, before Quantum Leap. Sorry, Phoenix. We'll definitely be in new living situations Can by I now. get you some more coffee? Yeah, right. This is my third cup. Is Mr. Bradford not available? Well, Rebecca and Eugene are in a very a fancy call. office. He'll be right he's been finishing that call for some time. We have other business scheduled for today. And if he's too busy, I, like I apologize. Thank you, Sheila. I'm sorry, Eugene, Rebecca. I've actually been conferencing with the insurance company and Dr. Stiles. I pushed them up to 32, but that's as far as they'll go. And Dr. Stiles is angry to be settling at all. 32? Yes. 32,000? Yes. 32,000! You're offering $32,000. Well, it's not a question of the worth of the deceased, Eugene. You know that. The issue is liability. My client died on the doctor's table. Look, you and I could debate this ad nauseum. We're never going to agree. And my client is adamant. So... Either we're going to end this at 32000 or we're going to have to let a jury decide. Well, it's a delphi- 
<laughs> we'll be letting the jury decide. Everything, bagel. Oh, God. But we... I know that lawyer from somewhere. Okay, so we have a case here. I'm, I'm going to cover while Mike slowly chokes to death. Uh, so... <laughs> he's like literally dying. Keith's like, oh, I, oh that joke might come by, back to bite I, me. Uh, yeah, that's right. When, he, when Mike literally dies on the air. <laughs> All right. So what's happening here is Rebecca and Eugene are uh, doing a settlement or trying to get a settlement on a case. And the lawyer that they are battling is played by none other than Ken Howard, who, if you're paying attention. I knew it. You're not supposed to know this that you've been on the show before, but now you get twice the residuals arriving at your door. So welcome back to the practice. I'll Here comes the rap sequence. I recognize that I saw you in season two and you met your demise. First you were a killer, but now you're set free. First appearance made me feel it, but you had it. Don't you maybe fool it's all a different, but you don't fool me. We're not here to judge, but you just might be. Welcome back to the practice today. Oh, I think it's my favorite one. Ooh, it's definitely my favorite. Okay, so previously, he was on the practice as a Senator Frank Patanke in Hide and Seek, who had done something horrible, but I don't remember. But Ken Howard is back, looks exactly like he did last time, but he's now the lawyer, not the defendant. Before I was choking on that poppy seed there, what I was going to say is that it, we are... Six minutes and 11 seconds into the episode, and we were just set with an ultimatum. Either we accept the $33,000 for our client who died on a doctor's table, or we're going to trial. Keith, I'm not a betting man. Oh, but yeah, I am, would you would you bet $32,000 on it? I would bet $32,000, which I'd have to probably ask you to borrow some, but I would bet Me? it. Me? How am I going to help? How can I help you with that? <laughs> I don't know. You're, you're getting all those podcast residuals? I thought that... Oh, right. Yeah. I forgot. But of course, you can't afford an attorney. Hmm, mixing up my realities here. Anywho, I would bet we're going to trial. Is what I would bet. I think that's a. Uh, I think that's a fair bet. And you know what? I like. I love Rebecca De Cricket, and I love Eugene. But if we're going to trial for this, I. You know who I'd really want? Lindsay Dole. That's true. She does do a lot of uh, malpractice. Big she company. Would not big be... firm. 33,000 would not be 33,000 would not be good enough for Lindsay Dole. No. A very very fancy. I didn't know he was a rabbi. I love to make a great I understand this, but Clyde, whether you knew he was a rabbi or not, it was still illegal for you to kill him. Does that mean they're going to get me like on one of those hate crimes? Because he's Jewish. I get nailed with a hate crime? Clyde, hate crime isn't your worry. You're up on first-degree murder. You hit a rabbi over the head with a bat. But don't they got to prove intent? Did My intent he was to, to rob uh, him. This is prejudice. Have priests and nuns Jews and they rabbis get special treatment. either kill or be you killed. You think Jews get show. special treatment on account of yeah, you not being able to hit rabbis with a bat? America I just meant to rob of some sort. I was swinging for a shoulder blade. I'm Betty. Okay. Oh, right. So... I'm Jewish. I really want... Guy who's a little unclear what murder is. Uh, yeah. So I was trying to come up with some sort of, like, wordplay on anti-Semite murderer, but I really couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Not in that brief bumper. I, I, My brain just couldn't spin that fast enough. So I'll just say, 
Guy who killed a Jewish guy. <laughs> oh, if you hit the rabbi, you're not a nice guy. Rabbi did it. <laughs> okay, okay, moving okay, forward. Who is, is it? Oh, we're this is bad. We're bad. We're bad. Uh, this guy if the is podcast by... is shit, you must acquit. <laughs> this guy is played by John Cassini. From Seven, Blackstone, Continuum, Robinson Arms, and The Commish. Seven, the movie, or is the show called Seven Blackstone? Uh, Seven, the movie. Okay. I love The Commish. I want to take this off your hands. He's not going to hit you. Forget it. Lindsay. I've got the widow depositions all week. Oh, come on. What's wrong? I'm going into court tomorrow, trying to reopen on Henry Olsen. Judge just spanked me with a court-appointed Lujak, and nobody here will lend a hand after Lujak. I just flew cross-country to help you. Jimmy, I can't. I I'm in all a pinch here. I need some assistance. Right. Eleanor, back him up. Why can't, Why can't I just give it, it to him? Because it's on the news, Jimmy. That's a good point, Jimmy. You, he's. I love that they pulled back that I just flew all the way to L.A. to help you out, Lindsay. Help me. That was as that was very real. Yeah. Well, it's a. Just a slightly uh, serialized story. There's a big public there. outcry. Have you been paying attention? Well, I got a motion to reopen on Henry Olsen. I'll help on Olsen, Eleanor. If you get a motion, you must reopen. Mm. Basically, they're still was Obama's doing it. The doctor evidently is we talk to him reluctant about soft to rhymes. It all. <laughs> so what happens now? Well, uh, we're still scheduled for like trial imperfect tomorrow. Rhymes. You can either take the 32, which... Well, our costs right now are running over 14, so that plus the contingency, you get about 11. $11,000? You make out better than us. Between my time and Eugene's, we've got over 40,000 invested in this case. Mm, so why are we even helping. hesitating? Let's go to trial. Oh my God, you might be right. They don't think it's a good idea. You don't want to go to trial. Mrs. Riley, I'll be honest. This is a very tough case to win. Now, I believe the doctor was negligent, but proving it... I know 11's not much, but I'm sure you could use the money. Is there a woman that you love, Mr. Young? Yes. Well, I'll tell you. The day comes some doctor kills her. The day comes you have to bury her. I don't think you're going to be walking away for $11,000, whether you could use the money or not. Nice. So, this lady here is played by Brooks Almy, and I have a question for you. She is currently on the faculty of AMDA. Was she there when you were there? No. She's an acting teacher. All right. No, no. All right, well, that's it. The American... What what is Amberston? <laughs> the, the American Musical and Dramatic Academy. Ah, there it is. I knew it was something like that. But Tyne Daly was when I was there. Oh, Tyne was there? How you doing? It should have been you. Okay. They're letting me out tomorrow. Did you get me isolation? They stuck the guys who did this to you in the hole, Henry, so... There'll be others, Jimmy. Look, I'm a freak. I'm the guy with the bug fetish. Okay. I'll take care of it. Meantime, I got a motion set tomorrow to reopen your case. 
Is there any chance? I don't know. No. But I'm gonna fight. I promise you. I'm gonna fight. I, uh... I never told you how sorry I am that he took his life. On account of me... No. It wasn't me. If I hadn't confronted him... That music is loud. Which I had no legal right to do. Jimmy, consider who we had for a father. You're a good man, Henry. Yeah, just having a weird You've fuck thing doesn't make you bad. You've always been a good man. Took your the son for your that. son. <clears throat> yeah. I'm gonna fight. This poor character, it literally has lost everything. Yeah, jeez. He jumped the shark and it ate him. I used to date a Jewish girl. I'm not prejudiced. I, mean, I only hit the guy because he wouldn't give me his money. Clyde, will you get off the Jewish thing? It don't matter that the victim was Jewish. What matters is he's dead. You don't know what this is gonna do to my parents. They're calling you a murderer. You think they're proud? All right, Jimmy. Forget that he was a rabbi. All right. Look, tell me what you were doing in that alley to begin with. I was hiding. I was waiting to mug somebody. But I would have hit any religion, I swear. Guard! <laughs> Look, I'm doing court on another matter. I'm gonna come back after lunch. Don't talk to anybody, you hear me? Nobody. Ah, oh, there fine, we go. Fine, there's I'm not a like... talker. You're a thinker. Jimmy. The guy's got the IQ of a relief pitcher. Ah, now did you catch that? It was a birthday that? present. From you. Uh, he said the guy has the IQ of a relief pitcher. I believe that is a John Rocker reference, which at that point he was the, the closer Braves, right? for the Braves. And he uh, made a whole bunch of racist and homophobic comments about riding the subway in New York City. And uh, it kind of ended his career. He he was basically, he was a MAGA asshole before the hats were invented. You know, that's a, a nice highlight of sometimes your topical references are about something so big, like the OJ trial, a Johnny Cochran joke, that are so ubiquitous in pop culture that they'll sort of always land. Right. However, some of them are a little too niche. If you weren't alive and if you weren't a functioning adult in the year 2000, you will never understand what and the heck is talking And watching baseball. <laughs> and like, it, yeah, well, that was a, it was a big national story at the time. But briefly, it didn't really last that long. Yeah. John Rocker. Huh. Interestingly, this, we're do, airing this episode the same week where this Nick Cannon story is in the news, uh, which is kind of highlighting... A, a discussion around what is anti anti-semitism and and what is is a person trying to educate themselves a lot of uh, you know there's right now is the, these conversations are happening yep. and i think that and that is and as the uh, the washington racist names are literally yep. crumbling but happily changing their name only 100 years too late yeah well so, and no and pats so much on of that damage for doing that you know, as, as they're changing that, I'm watching The West Wing, speaking of watching old shows, and I forget, I they talk about the Redskins constantly. The, yeah. I should say the, the the antiquated name of the 
Washington sports franchise. Anyway, <clears throat> yeah, lots of conversations taking place, Keith, and we are we are simply there letting them of, pass through. There are a lot of really profound, important, and interesting conversations all over the place, and we're also talking. Yes, that's true. But we're but we're talking to ourselves. So, <laughs> to your husband. Yes, he just couldn't take being fat. So, as a birthday gift, I took him to Doctor Styles to talk about liposuction. And how did you hear of Doctor Styles, Mrs. Riley? I saw his ad. And when you went to see he him, he died getting everything liposuction? was fine. Yes, uh, that's he said what my husband was a good candidate. It was very exciting for my husband. He couldn't wait to do it. So you decided that the smoking to go for judge. The I can't see. He's out yes. of focus. No. It was just supposed no. to be Charles an outpatient Chiaffi, back as thing. Walter so we arrived at his office at seven in the morning, and at uh, the procedure started at at ten, and then at one o'clock he um, the doctor came out and told me that my husband was dead. Oh, she's excellent. Bam. Did he say anything else? No. Well, she teaches at your alma mater. Just that so. he went into cardiac arrest and he was gone. She starts singing, though. I, I'm out. The sun will come. The fat will come. Her husband was told. Tomorrow. I don't know a lot, Keith. I've never had it, but I can tell you this. Dying while getting liposuction sucks. Boo. There was a risk. Minimal risk. Possible risk of death. Wasn't that one? Yes. It wasn't something that... The message was that this operation was safe, Mr. Bradford. You know that. Please understand just how sorry I am for your loss. Mrs. Riley, who was the first person to suggest to you that Dr. Stiles might have been negligent? The first person? Yes. Well, I'm afraid I don't really understand the question. Well, let me state it another way. Was it a doctor or was it a lawyer? Objection. What's the point, Mr. Bradford? Well, Your Honor, there are those cases where a doctor says negligence and the plaintiff then engages a lawyer. And there are other cases where a lawyer declares negligence <clears throat> and doctors are then rounded up to bolster the claim. Objection. Rephrase it, counsel. Mrs. Riley, just how many firms did you go to before finding one to take your case? Objection. Sidebar, Your Honor. Murmur, 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 murmur. Hubbub, hubbub. Part of our defense is that this is a spurious claim manufactured to flush out a deep pocket insurance company. It is certainly relevant that other attorneys decline to even take on the matter. It is certainly not relevant. How other lawyers assess this has nothing to do with the case. I agree. You're shut down there, Mr. Bradford. Step back. Members of the jury, whether or not other attorneys or law firms elected to represent the plaintiff in this matter is without relevance, and you're to disregard defense counsel's question. Yeah, so what, are they, what are they supposed to do when you're not... Let me see if I understand this. You learned Unring during the, the trial from your client that it was his son that killed the woman. Oh, wait, just before closing this arguments. This is Charles, yes. Charles Jaffe as the wait. judge. Yes, Kimbrell was who... Oh God! <laughs> no, no, it's not. <clears throat> not even close. You know, I try to go up. I pull up IMDb. I just hit random buttons. See, the problem uh, is you're trying to use the squint method. I'm do. <laughs> I'm using the squint method. No, that's Robert David Hall as the judge in Eugene and Rebecca's, and Charles Chaffee in uh, 
in uh, Michael's case. You've righted the wrong. Why didn't you go to the district attorney right then and ask him? Because, because our integrity is everything. It was attorney-client privilege, and he was looking to protect his son. I see. And if your client had been acquitted, that would have been the end of it. Well... You wouldn't be here today seeking justice, would you, counsel? That would have been the end of it. Your Honor, my meeting with the boy, though he didn't flat-out admit that he did it, he didn't deny it either. And a failure to deny can constitute an admission under the rules of evidence. The courts don't simply throw out convictions, counsel, simply because... The kid hung himself. What does that say? I confronted him with what he did. He goes home and hangs himself. That isn't evidence. Then let me offer evidence. You haven't got any, Jimmy. I would like the court to hear from my client. This seems like a waste of the court's time. He's serving a life sentence. We can't waste one afternoon... If we gave one afternoon to every man serving a life sentence counsel, the courts would be jammed beyond repair. As an officer of the court, I'm telling you, I've never done this. I swallow the defeats like anyone else. But this one, please, Your Honor. It's a good exchange. Like they both have day. valid points and are making them well. Bobby looks nervous. One day. So, but this brings up, the judge's point is interesting here. I mean, granted, I, I root for Jimmy because he's our hero, right? But is Jimmy here, what, what I find interesting is, is Jimmy wanting to do this for justice, for the sake of justice and for the sake of his client, or is it to get this off his chest? You know what I mean? Well, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. Yeah, I think, you know, point. he clearly didn't do it, so it is for justice. Also, Jimmy feels pretty bad about what happened, so it's for Jimmy. I don't know what you really plan to accomplish. I plan to accomplish getting him out of prison, which he should be. Yeah, right. Look, how about we get together on Miller? Fine, cooperate with me on Olsen. I'll talk on Miller. Don't insult my intelligence, Jimmy. I was insulting your integrity. <laughs> Zing! It's a good line. Fluid is actually being pumped into the body at now this we're point. Watching it's pretty a much a salt solution place. containing a local anesthetic. What kind of anesthetic? Is that Dollar Guys, Lidocaine. Stop it right the there. We have our second. Now you sing it. Oh, the delay's going to be terrible, though. Now you get twice the residuals. Welcome back to the practice. I'll pretend that. Yes, this person testifying playing Dr. Traub is Tony Amendola, who was last Dr. Willis testifying in a case as well. And we'll be back as a third doctor on the practice before we finish this. So it is our second double dipper of the episode. We now have a double dipper duel. Let's listen. Do you watch Homeland? I love him in Homeland. Oh, <clears throat> I haven't. I watched the first few episodes. It was good, but then I think my showtime ran out. So yeah, yeah, well. It's on Netflix now. Is this a difficult procedure, Doctor? It's quite simple, actually. Which is part of the problem. 
you just We've grow some facial hair and then you can appear on the show as many times as you'd like. It's lucrative, and a lot of doctors he want had the facial hair. And if they're not careful, on. the procedure can be lethal, as it was in this case. What happened to Morris Riley? The first mistake was taking so much fat out. Anything over 15%, in my view, is unsafe. Is this what killed him? No. In my opinion, Mr. Riley suffered from a lidocaine overdose. The lidocaine lowered the heart rate, eventually causing cardiac arrest. And since he did this in his office instead of at the hospital, he didn't have the necessary technology or personnel available to respond to the crisis. You weren't in the room, were you, Dr. Willis? No, I was not. Have you ever performed a liposuction procedure, sir? I've done hundreds. Hundreds? Mm. Any in your office? Almost all of them. I see. So this decision not to go into a hospital, you make that decision all the time. I would never take that much fat out in my office. If I were going to remove more than 12 pounds, I would have done it in a hospital. That's a very good answer, doctor. Can you state to a medical certainty that Mr. Riley died from a lidocaine overdose? I can state it to a reasonable certainty. But not to an absolute medical certainty. That can almost never be done, counsel. I see. And have you ever known hearts to go into arrest during this procedure absent a lidocaine overdose? Of course. So currently, we have a, an exchange between two characters who have previously played previous characters. In the same uh, like I said, it's a <clears throat> double-dipper duel. That's possible here, isn't it, doctor? Possible, but my opinion is they overloaded him with fluids. I see. Tell me, doctor, how many trials have you testified in over the last year? It's an oopsie-doopsie, oopsie-toopsie, double-dipper duel. More double. than 50? Around 50. And would it be fair to say, sir, that you are primarily hired by these types of plaintiff law firms? Objection. That... Sustained. Let me rephrase. You've been hired by this law firm before, haven't you, sir? Objection. What's the relevance? It goes to bias, Your Honor. Okay, He's been so hired this is in the, the past crazy and will be hired in the future. Right. So he, he just made a reference to he's, he's making the argument that because you got hired by this firm to testify, then what you're testifying is, is possibly specious. Now, and he just made a reference that he has been hired by this firm before. So it's almost like acknowledging that he was on the show before. But I went back and I watched his section in the previous episode, I think it was season two, episode eight, where he was playing not a medical doctor, but a psychologist. And he was testifying about, um, <clears throat> it was that really controversial one about like riot behavior. Mm -hmm. And uh, the attorney, the exchange basically was exactly this. You were hired by this firm, so you'll just say whatever they want. So it's like the same story beat, same character, sort of referenced, but also clearly a different character, different name and different specialty. So do you think that that is coincidence or some sort of meta commentary? You know, I would, I, I have to say, I got to talk to whoever the, uh, who runs the show Bible or a script supervisor. I think it's probably David E. Kelly forgetting that he was a different type of doctor. Mm. And so, and just, sort of wrote it in as if he'd testified to a similar type of a thing. I, I, It's possible it was just sort of a, oh, yeah, yeah, we used him before. All right, I'll make a little reference to it without actually making sure. Hmm. This witness has incentive to satisfy assume there wasn't personal be a injury law firm. I'm going to move episode. to strike that. <laughs> I'm going to I don't know that podcasts were a thing. But I'm closing the door on this line Radio of questioning. Show. In that case, I'm done, Your Honor. 
lot of chipper behavior happening from Rebecca and Eugene here. No. You know what's going on. He's putting us on trial. He wants the jury to associate this case with you and me. Yep. All I can tell you at this time is the suspect passed a psychiatric exam, which means he's competent to stand trial. Was the baseball bat found? I'm not going to comment on the evidence at this time. When there's trial? further developments, I'll keep you apprised. Were you surprised this case is assigned to you after so many recent high-profile flops? There's no strategy oh. here. Richard takes a beating. Just speak from yeah. the heart. Okay. Will I have to get into the uh, bugs? No, Mike. but the jelly you might want to bring up. You may have to yeah, open could you yourself please up in explain the jelly? Our only chance is if the judge believes you. If he thinks you're hiding anything. Okay. Should Allison be there? It couldn't hurt. I mean, his wife. Everything was going fine. Really doesn't have a lot of reason to stand by him. Suddenly, his blood pressure just plunged. Did you know why? No. There's always a risk in any surgery. I do know we didn't overload fluids. When Mr. Riley's heart went into arrest, what'd you do? We massaged the chest, brought in a defibrillator, started the heart again, but then it stopped. We wheeled in a crash cart. Contrary to Dr. Will's assertion, we did have the technology to respond to this crisis. Dr. Stiles, Mr. Riley did die on your table. I know. And it was devastating for all of us. But death is a risk in every surgery. Sometimes, whether it be heart failure or reaction to anesthesia, unforeseen circumstances take a life. All I can assure you of, as I've assured Mrs. Riley, is that everything was done right in that room. This is not a death due to Dr. Error. Did you have a cardiothoracic surgeon? I beg your pardon? Did you have a cardiothoracic surgeon? He's quite Somebody who could open up the patient's chest, massage the heart, maybe put him on bypass even. Did you have such a doctor in your office? In that one no. shot, we see A hospital would have, right? How long have you been performing liposuction, sir? I've been doing them for about two years. It's an episode of duality. You are a cosmetic duality. surgeon who specializes on face reconstruction, aren't you? If you're suggesting that I'm not qualified to do the procedure... I'm suggesting this isn't your specialty. I'm suggesting that up until two years ago, you worked on faces and burn victims, but you didn't do liposuction. Isn't that correct? I'm sorry, I have to object to this assault. This is an assault? Your Honor, I have a personal affection for Mr. Young. I think he's a fine attorney. Uh, perhaps a reminder that this is a civil trial. Your Honor? Never mind. Move. I'm overruling the objection. Mr. Young, proceed. You sucked out 22 pounds of fat, didn't you, doctor? Yes. You are aware that's more than what's considered to be safe. You can't quantify safety with statistics. It's done on a case-by-case -case basis, and in this case, I felt it was safe. And he died. Didn't the press secretary try to use that argument yesterday? Don't let the science get in the way? Don't let the science get in, don't let the science get in the way of opening our schools. That was the phrase from our own... National press secretary. Not because I took out too much fat. Well, well as I understand it, the, the more fat you suction out, the more trauma to the body. Is that correct? 
Yes. And the more lidocaine needed to This prevent... patient did not die from a lidocaine overdose. You know that to a medical certainty. As I said, you can never know anything to a medical certainty. Then why are you saying it with such certainty? Objection. Withdrawn. How much do you charge for this kind of procedure? I charge Mr. Riley $8,000. And that's up front, right? No insurance to deal with? How is this relevant? It is relevant because you're in the business of sucking fat out of people without any concern. Objection. You, you can save your personal affection, Mr. Bradford. All right. This is a court of law, not a street fight. What did you say? That's enough. Well, Ken Howard plays a really good asshole. Your Honor, I apologize what a laser you dick. and the jury. What a laser for this dick, yeah. Unnecessary acrimony. Mr. Young, return your attention to the witness, please. So condescending. And clearly, by this Ms. point, Rose, like, I'm feeling racial undertones in what he's saying. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I don't want to jump to that, but is it is it just their integrity as defense attorneys that he's uh, sort of scoffing at? It seems to be a little more personal than that. Well, it, he's he's used some, some coded language like street fight mm -hmm. and... The sort of like I'm personally a, a fan or whatever. It's just like it's very condescending. It's very, you know, just like oh, he's so combative. He's out of control. Well, that sort I, of a I, thing. They'd probably be happy to know that by 2020 we have uh, done away with racial dog whistling. Oh, thank God that's done. Yeah. You said when you came out of your office, you found the woman dead. Speaking of the White House and did you see anything secretary else? Secretary and inhabitant. Yes. I saw my son, Stephen. He was leaving. Your son, Stephen. All right, Henry Olson, Dr. Henry Olson, yes. back on the stand now. But you never told anybody. I told you deep into the trial only because you were going to accuse my wife. Why did you keep this secret? He had his whole life ahead of him, Your Honor. Me? I'm... I was a perverted deviant who liked to watch women step on bugs. I am the reason that he committed this crime. I drove him to commit this crime. He'd heard his mother and me arguing about my fetish. My attorneys told me that I had a chance of winning a trial. So I took the chance. Figuring if I could get out of prison, I could get Stephen some help. He's really good. Yeah. Why should we believe Play you? Transition what, because I'm telling the truth. Well, your son is dead. He can't defend himself to these charges. I've For those who aren't watching the episode, they were we had a, a, a reverse shot. As they panned from his left shoulder to right shoulder, we swiped through his suit, and as we came up over the right shoulder, the next the the uh, Richard Bay was on screen. It was yeah, well, it's it's very Hitchcock. Is if you mm -hmm. remember uh, the movie The Rope, which was shot as if it takes place in real time, like a play, and the way he would and the reels could only he could only shoot like fifteen minutes at a time, so he would frequently have somebody walk in front of the camera and use that transition to cut. So did a very similar technique there. Very Hitchcockian. 2519 on the episode on Hulu. Jabaluti before he was dead. Even if you did, all of this coincides with your motive to be cleared of this crime. And all we have is your word here. Isn't that right, Mr. Olson? 
You lied to your wife about this bug thing. You kept the truth from your own attorneys. That is, if this latest version is the truth. We have a conviction here supported by evidence, which you're trying to overturn with nothing but your word of honor. And my affidavit. I accused the son, Stephen, of killing this woman. He didn't deny it. Instead, he goes home and kills himself. We have a tremendous injustice here. An innocent man is sitting in jail for a crime he didn't commit. We can't just sit back and say, too late, game's over. To play devil's advocate, though, if you're going to say that the, that the suicide ind indicts him, you know, based on his quote-unquote conf soft confession to Jimmy, right. couldn't, wouldn't you then, as Richard Bay or as, to, as the counterpoint, ask, well, then why didn't he leave a suicide note that confessed? Potentially would you know give exculpatory evidence to his father? That's a good question. That's a very good. I, ooh, attorney Mike steps in with a very good line of attack. I mean, my fees are very high. It's not too late. <laughs> there he still sits. It's not too late. We all say better to let ten guilty men go free than send one innocent man to jail. And still he sits in prison, innocent. He didn't kill that woman. Mr. Baluti, I'm impressed with your passion, and I don't dismiss the value of your affidavit, but still, we have a process here. The jury listened to every witness, they deliberated, and they returned a verdict. And I certainly have to have more than a defendant's word and an attorney's word that he's innocent. Otherwise, I'd be making a mockery of the jury system altogether. That's one thing. If the DA was coming forward with you saying an injustice has been done. But here. All I have is you. The man's That's lawyer. Jimmy the Grunt. The you know who you're talking to? Protesting yeah. his innocence. The conviction stands. I have Adjourn. an Emmy. Why are you so shocked, Fonz? Wasn't a great, wasn't a great. Uh, it's always a big swing when you're trying to reopen. I mean, look at what's happening with Adnan Syed. Damn, though, they really he, the judge really threw that onto Richard Bay, right? He's like, well, Richard Bay, if he. What are you gonna do? Now watch this shot here. So Jimmy's still standing there, staring at the judge, and Bobby comes up, puts his hand on his shoulder. Completely but out Alex of focus. Alex Graves does not pull focus and put it on Bobby here. He stays on Jimmy's face because it's Jimmy's emotional moment that we're staying with here. It's a I really good choice. I mean, how can we good just job, Alex. We stick to the case, Rebecca. Well, he's not. You know he's not. We play any other card at this point. We just look desperate. We stick to the merits of the case. Find me so an external clearly, shot of a Boston bar. Yeah. So clearly, Eugene and Rebecca are picking up on the racial element. You're wasting your time, Jimmy. What, you think oh, so now Jimmy's going to convince Richard Bay to speak up for Henry Winkler? Yeah, what's going to happen? Suppose I deliver the rabbi killer. Whoa, Jimmy. Murder two. Uh. Clyde Miller for Henry Olson. So the judge just said all we have is your honor, basically. 
<laughs> right. And, and now, now Jimmy's cutting going. a backroom deal. The room where it happened. Straight up. Jimmy, no. First of all, what you're proposing is so unethical. Which is why I never proposed it. Second, I don't need any favors on Miller. We got the guy. No, you don't, Richard. Prince on the bat, rabbi's DNA all over. He found the rabbi dead in the alley. Decided to rob him. Is that his story? Could be. I think Michael has and a you cold. can't completely disprove it. The guy's got an assault record as long as... Yeah, yeah, history of mugging, not killing. And all we need is one lone juror. High-profile case. Public outrage. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll bring this up again in Spare Tires. Yeah. What we're seeing here, this whole episode so far, from even in, in cases, every case has super high stakes, but watch Eugene and Rebecca. Watch... Uh, Jason Kravitz, watch uh, Michael Badalucco, everything Bobby's done or Dylan McDermott's done this episode. Everything is so understated, which is kind of rare for this show. A lot of times, at least somebody is chewing the scenery. And we're getting yeah. really understated, real performances across the board. Well, again, that's the direction. It's Alex Graves. The scoring's also, been excellent, too. I, I'd like to point out that uh, since Michael Badalucco clearly has a cold in this scene, we are seeing the second occurrence of NyQuil Mike. Ah, this NyQuil Mike getting paid much more handsomely than <laughs> the first. You lose this one, Richard? I know you don't want to think about that. I won't lose it, Jimmy. Hopefully in this scene, Save your breath trying Jason Kravitz to doesn't have to cut any food. I got an innocent man and a way to make things easy for you. It's win-win. Justice, justice. If, I say if, Olson passes a polygraph, I will consider a joint recommendation to the court. In a completely unrelated matter, I'm offering Clyde Miller murder too. Whoa. Just crossed a bridge there. In the snow. snow. Ipsa loquitur. That's a Latin term, which basically means what happened speaks for itself. Oh, and thanks, Eugene. That's what we I have didn't have here. to look that up. That man was in exclusive control of the situation. The patient died in a procedure where injury does not normally occur. Oh, oh, wait, After going hold in on. for liposuction. Uh, it's closing time. Time to put your case to defense in the civil case the eugene. prosecution oh right the prosecution in this civil case eugene young loquitur that's a latin term which basically means what happened speaks for itself and that's what we have here that man was in exclusive control of the situation the patient died in a procedure where injury does not normally occur after going in for liposuction, a procedure so simple, dentists are now doing it. He came out dead, and the doctor's response is, well, sometimes it happens. Patients die. And you know why he died, ladies and gentlemen? Money. Money. With HMOs cutting costs, 
With hospitals slashing doctors' salaries, surgeons are turning to cosmetic surgery to heat their pools. Forget having to wait for insurance reimbursements. These procedures aren't covered by insurance. The money's up front. Six, seven, eight thousand dollars a pop for liposuction. And we're talking about cash, people. And they do it right in their offices. Because you start cutting profits when you do it in a hospital. Which is okay when things go right, I guess. But when things go wrong, Morris Riley, death. He took out 22 pounds of fat, too much by medical standards. He had to load him with extra lidocaine in order to do it. Lidocaine, a drug that slows the pulse, a drug that affects the heart. And he did it in his office with no cardiologist and no cardiothoracic surgeon in the building. This should have been done in a hospital. Something went terribly wrong. Simple procedure, patient dies, something went terribly wrong. Res ipsa loquitur. Murder too? Isn't that like life? It is, but with parole maybe. If you go down on murder one, forget it. And you don't think that we could beat it? OJ, he beat it. Honest. <laughs> they love to Rogers. go back to that well. Still pitching. But I don't think we'd win. In which case, you are looking at murder one. I think if we can make this go away quiet with murder two, we'd be crazy not to take it. Oh, Jimmy. Jimmy, no. Never Subtle mind, there's been there. no negligence. You see that? Yeah. Never mind, nobody did anything wrong. Go to court, roll the dice, and hope for a jackpot. Didn't used to be this way. But with the proliferation of law schools and the lowering of the bar, if you will, we have a glut of attorneys and a resulting boom of litigation to feed them. And accordingly, you can always find a lawyer to take your case today. And Mrs. Riley found two very capable ones to take hers, didn't she? What a laser the dick problem this guy is, is. She has no evidence to establish any wrongdoing by Dr. Stiles. But we had an unfortunate result. And therefore, we are automatically leaping to negligence. Once again, we'll discuss this, but, you know, it's interesting. This case, at its face, isn't that, it's not that interesting, to be honest. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. And it's nothing that we haven't seen in one of these civil litigations before, but they found an antagonist who's such, he's such a prick that yeah. my, that I want to see him, us beat him so bad that it it sort of makes up for the fact that it's sort of cut and dry, paint by numbers, the case. Well, that that's because this is one of those... Uh, it's a character-based cases, not case-based cases. Yeah, much more freak of the week instead of case of the week, you know? Right. Mr. Young right. even dick admitted of the week. as much. Laser yeah. dick of the week. Laser when dick of the week. stood up here saying, res ipsa loquitur. Let's presume it. I have compassion for Mrs. Dude. Riley's pain, as I'm sure you do. Her husband's heart gave out as hearts... Sometimes do. There is a tragedy here. No question. But there is no malpractice. 
I also like that the racial undertones are just that undertones. They didn't go heavy handed with it just to show that it's sort of this implied Mr. Young, system, systemic racism is, is used in a lot of different ways. Uh oh, Rebecca just Whether stood up. By... There is malpractice or not, that is your decision. But I hope you don't think less of Mrs. Riley's cause of action because of the lawyers she found to represent her. Well, don't get me wrong. Like Mr. Bradford said, we're capable attorneys. Well, I think we're even a credit to our profession. But let's face it, we're not the best. We've come a long way, we've, we've made some progress, but we're just not the first choice, are we? What's going on here? What's going on with the proliferation of law schools? and the lowering of the bar. And more and more attorneys like us are finding our way into this room. I'm agreeing with you, Mr. Bradford. Counsel, if you're not gonna argue the evidence, I'll ask you to return to your seat. Mr. Young and I are very much in evidence, Your Honor. Mr. Bradford put us in evidence. He asked Mrs. Riley who first told her there was negligence. Was it a doctor or was it your lawyer? Yeah, he asked Rebecca her, how many law firms did you visit before you found an attorney willing to take your case? He asked our expert witness if he was regularly hired by these types of plaintiff law firms. He announces his personal affection for Mr. Young and then reminds him this isn't a street fight. We are very much in evidence, Your Honor, and I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. Ms. Washington, I'll ask you once again, Please confine your remarks to the case. Wife saves up money to give her husband a liposuction procedure. They go to a doctor. Doctor performs procedure. Husband dies. That's a pretty good case. Imagine how strong it would be if Mrs. Riley had found the right kind of lawyers. Rebecca! Wow. They just had a giant debate about race told entirely in subtext. I so thought it cool. was excellent. So, so cool. well done. I didn't do anything. Where's Jimmy? Right here. What's... You signed off on Murder 2 with Clyde Miller? Just like that? We had to take it or leave it. One time offer. So why did you take it? Because he was looking at first degree. Oh, he still could have tried the thing. And lost. But maybe won. There evidence. Oh, please. Jimmy, there were no witnesses. I just beat a much tougher case than this one a month ago with Daryl Hutchins. What's going on? Clyde Miller, he just copped a second degree. There were no rabbits to pull on this one, Eleanor. They had him dead to center. Even so, Jimmy, this seems a little rushed. And since I am second chair, I think you could have run this by me before you- I didn't think you really wanted to be bothered. Good news. Henry passed the polygraph. He did? Yes. They're transferring him to the courthouse. Oh, Bobby's taking this out right for? away. Richie Bay, I worked him up last night. He said if Henry passed a lie detector, he'd endorse his release. Bay's going to recommend release now? He said a polygraph would sell him. Richard Bay's the DA on. Oh, shit. Bobby Mike sniffed Miller. it out! Well, they all sniffed oh it out. God. They're not idiots. Tell me. In my office. I can't. They're transferring Henry back to the courthouse. In my office.
You served up Miller to get Henry out? I made independent deals. Don't screw with me, Jimmy. I made separate deals for two. You don't just cop to murder two. Judgment call and don't tell you me you've never barred. done it. I know Clearly you've done it. I'm talking here. And I'm not listening. Shut up. You can't handle the truth. Don't you. Don't you dare put yourself in my position. A man isn't in jail because of you. A kid didn't put a noose around his neck because of you. You're falling apart. Of course. I didn't get six prescriptions for NyQuil. So and much NyQuil. <laughs> we should back it up. This, he's giving an amazing performance. We, can't, we shouldn't NyQuil his poor performance With here. no voice whatsoever. It, it hurts to None. listen to. Judgment call and don't tell you me you've never disbarred. done it. I know you've done it. I'm talking here. And I'm not listening. Shut up. And don't you. Don't you dare put yourself in my position. A man isn't in jail because of you. A kid didn't put a noose around his neck because of you. You're falling apart. Of course I'm falling apart. I've been falling apart for three months. I Look at me. Three months. I put on 50 pounds. What do you think? I gotta fix this, Bobby. I won't let you. You just stay the hell out of it. I can't. Clyde Miller is a client of this firm. I explained the deal to him. He took it. He's stupid. He'll do whatever you say. You keep out of it. You want to fire me, fire me. But I gotta fix this. He's a killer. He killed a rabbi. He should be in jail. Henry Olsen shouldn't be. This is a just result. It doesn't work like that, Jimmy. Your daily reminder that you just left multiple dead babies around town because it's it it made you feel better, Dylan. So not Dylan, Bobby. So let's <laughs> let's back off the the blame train. Please. That baby's Two still on the stoop. Deals. Two different cases. He'd go down on murder one if we tried it. Just let this be. Jimmy's gonna have a heart attack. Just let this be. Uh, that's an Emmy winner at work, folks, P.S.? Yes, yeah. I gained 50 pounds in Emmys. They're heavy. <laughs> How long will it take? I wouldn't they recommend liposuction, Jimmy. I know a guy. It could take some time. <laughs> they first have to decide on liability. If they find him negligent, then they go to damages. It could take some time. Will it be more than 33,000? 32. It's always 32. You keep adding 1,000. Those are taxes and fees, buddy. <laughs> I don't think it works that way. I think it goes the other way. <laughs> I just don't know that you helped, Rebecca. It was in the air. I wasn't playing cards, I promise. Would you second guess Rebecca the Cricket? To some air. She can read a room just as well as you can, buddy. We're going to give her a million dollars. They're going to give her 33 as opposed to 32. Tell me about it. Called it. All right, here we go. Mr. Foreman, the jury has reached a verdict. We have, Your Honor. What say you? 
On question one, do we find a defendant negligent? We, the jury, answer yes. Damn right. On question two, do we find the defendant's negligence to be the proximate cause of Morris Riley's death? We, the jury, answer yes. Are you damn right. We further order the defendant to pay damages to the plaintiff in the amount of $6 million. Did he say? He you said you got $6 million, bitch. $6 million? Rebecca! Your Honor, we move for a judgment notwithstanding the verdict and ask that the award be put aside. This is what Denied. Jimmy wants. This matter is adjourned. Members of the jury, thank you for your service. Yeah, take that, double dipper. I win. You can count on appeal. But yeah, you win. Mr. Yeah. Bay, I must say, I didn't expect this. Your Honor, Mr. Berluti's verified affidavit, the boy's suicide, I have to admit, it gives me serious pause. Then this morning, Mr. Olson took a polygraph, which he passed. Though that's not legally admissible, it should certainly be deemed reliable, and, well, the Commonwealth should no it? longer believes he committed the crime. At the minimum, he should be granted a new trial. Oh, I mean, if granted a new trial, would the Commonwealth pursue it? No, Your Honor. We couldn't proceed in good faith at this point. Is, well, then I'm certainly not going to waste anybody's time. Mr. Olson, you're a free man. The conviction is set aside. You can go. Holy shit. Yes. Um, two gigantic wins this week. Right? Size Except for their integrity. Thank you. Well, Thank you. There's a few dead babies that... Have I want to chat with you about that. Next week, we chat with the dead baby. <laughs> what if Winkler's like, uh, can we stop stop off at the bug shop? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Do we have enough jelly at home? <laughs> Jimmy and Bobby share a stare across the courtroom. Bobby giving us some real good Bobby look there. Okay, well, that's it. We have now listened to Season 4, Episode 15, Race Ipsa Loquitor. And so and I is. guess it's time to go back to what we like to call the YouTubes. The YouTubes. To point out that we are going to be recording so that uh, anybody listening is rests assured that we are going back to the YouTube. YouTubes. This is the point where you go back to the YouTubes. All right. So we're back. On the YouTubes, here we are. <laughs> Wait, where are we back? Are, are we are we going somewhere? Are we going uh, yes. back to the YouTube now? We are on the YouTube, yes. Okay, Phoenix, officially. We're here, we're here, look at us, we're here. Very excited to be here, thank you. Thank you for joining us. What an episode we had. What an episode indeed. And it is time for Mike to tell us 
what happened in that episode in a segment we call Mike has 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show. Ooh, a fancier countdown. Okay, ready? Let's do it. Two giant cases this week. Jimmy pulls a very crazy uh, underhanded deal in the back room with Richard Bay to get Henry Winkler out of prison in exchange for another client taking second-degree murder before actually discussing that with the client and then basically convincing him to take it, even though he could have possibly gotten uh, acquitted on that first-degree murder charge. So we win, but do we lose our soul? Ooh, and also an in another entire case. <laughs> yeah 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 so and then in a third case uh <laughs> no it's too late it's too late if you can't say it it didn't happen <laughs> but that's the best part was the third case <laughs> okay uh, well it is now time for what we do at the end of every episode we have an important awards show called ladies and gentlemen the Out of Practice Podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie! The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike! What the hell are the oopsies? It is time to award our first oopsie, which is... Most Valuable! Okay, who do you got? Well, we have two really good options this week. Option one is, I think, Rebecca de Cricket, because she... Pulled a rabbit out of the hat. Pulled rabbit out of the hat. And I, we don't know if it's her re-close that did it, but she was able to call out the bullshit of the defense and also help close the deal to win her client $6 million. Uh, with yes. an assist from Eugene, of course, but I think Rebecca is who got the, the kind of the double win there, the, the, moral, right. the moral win and also the, the, the case win. She pulled a racist rabbit out of a hat. Then we have Jimmy Berluti, who, yes, did a did a deal with the devil, mm -hmm. uh, the very short devil, as the show likes to remind us, and ag aggravates Keith. <laughs> but that deal did secure justice because we know that Henry Winkler did not commit this murder and was in prison for it. Right. And it also, so it served justice, and it also got a man out of prison for the rest of his life, which the stakes are so high there. You know, worst case scenario, True. that lady, her husband was dead one way or the other. In the Rebecca case, it was just a matter of how much money she would get, you know, to... Well, it, it yeah, and it, it, it really begs the question... What are we what are we calling most valuable? Because like right. most ethical, definitely not. Uh the stakes were higher on Jimmy's case for sure. But uh yeah, I don't know. Who's your who's your call? Oh, man. 
I think make the a truth, call, man. The truth is, is that the stakes are too high for this award. That eleven million dollars for that woman still does not equate to a man man's life being restored. It's eleven now. What? <laughs> inflation, baby. That's twenty twenty like, inflation. Okay, fair enough. Okay, you, you, I'm really good job with the math on the inflation there. <laughs> yeah, I know the statistics. Never let math get in the way of a good. Uh, let don't let. I can't. I can't tie the two things. I tried. <laughs> Comedian. I'm gonna say Jimmy Berluti. If you don't take a bath. You must do the math. Jimmy Berluti is my MVL. Yeesh. Yeesh. Okay. All right. Yeah. I. I think I see the logic of it, but I guess in I'm feeling moral today, so I'm going to give my MVL to Rebecca D. Cricket. So we have a split for most valuable lawyer. Congratulations, Rebecca D. Jimity Cricket. I maybe I'll find that graphic and, uh, and and put that back up for the MVL. All right, now it's time for. Already famous cause you've been on TV Getting a paycheck First entry on your IMDB Way to go But you're the best guest actor You are the best guest actor You are the best guest actor on the episode Okay, best guest actor Alright, who was Laser Dick again? Laser Dick. Laser Dick is played by none other than then then You keep looking at that. So my two so he is one of my nominees along with Ken Howard. Ken Howard. Ken For, Howard along with Henry Winkler who only really spoke in two scenes but they were so good and he was so reserved and and his testimony went a long way into winning the case, although it wasn't the determining factor. However, Laser Dick, to me, made the made the Rebecca and Eugene case mean something. Otherwise, it was sort of paint by numbers and and almost a throwaway, but it ra- he alone raised the stakes by, yes, the writing was excellent, the direction was excellent, but his performance really made me root for him to lose, and so I want to I'm giving my official uh, oopsie to Laser Dick. To Laser Dick Ken <laughs> Howard. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and you want to know he's he's hard to find on IMDb. Speaking of uh, having a Laser Dick energy, his photo on IMDb is not a close up of his face, but rather <laughs> a picture of him winning his Emmy from far away, so you can't <laughs> see him. Because of he has a I got a very big dick. laser. <laughs> yeah, yes. nice. So uh yes, absolutely agreed. Um I think Ken Howard was dynamite. Uh he was great in this episode and was uh did a lot of work um and did an excellent job. So congratulations. But before we move on. From uh, best guest actor, we should oh, probably. Yes. yes, indeed. So last week, as I tried to set up before, and I, I'm glad you remembered because there's no way in hell I would have remembered that. Uh, Jorge, or you, you tossed a question to Jorge. I did, and you asked him 
how many times had we had an opportunity to give the best guest actor award um, out to uh, Judge Kittleson, and mm-hmm. we and we didn't Holland Taylor, but we gave it to somebody else, and he says that's the wrong screenshot. I've opened the wrong screenshot. He says challenge accepted. I will post the chart I created when you post the winners of this week's oopsies. I'm prepared for the wedgies and wet willies waiting for doing my project on the day it was assigned. And uh, he, I, I said, uh, we'll have to talk about talk to the intern about adding you to the staff. But of course, she's been promoted. So we have a position open of official out of practice intern uh, that we should discuss. Because I, I feel like Jorge's put in some fine work here. Because as you see on your screen, he has done a thorough analysis of whether or not we gave Holland Taylor the oopsie on the opportunities. And you can see here that in season three, we gave it to her five out of six times. And mm. for season four, we have only given her a half of an oopsie out of seven appearances. Wow. Which is really quite saying something. Uh, so it, wow. And so the people, and I have to say like Jorge has amazing handwriting for like writing on his screen on the computer. It's amazing. Uh, so here are the people she has lost to. She lost to Linda Hunt. In Closet Justice, she lost to Henry Winkler and Michael Monks in Free Dental. She shared it with J. Patrick McCormick. She lost to Michael Monks again. She lost to James Whitmore twice. She lost to Jason Kravitz. And then last week, she lost to Leo Fitzpatrick and Gates McFadden. Fascinating. So I, now, guess... I have an explanation for this. Okay, let's hear that first. Because I was going to say, one could accuse us of of not of talking the talk but not walking the walk in the hardware department when it comes to Holland Taylor and our love for her. Yeah, well, and as he snarked us. Uh but no, I think this speaks less to Holland Taylor's performances and more about the writing of the character. Because Judge Kittleson as a character, we talked about this last week actually, was she she was her personal life, her personal inter, internal feelings and actions were a big part of the plot in season three. Whereas season four, she's less integrated into the plot. She is less of a plot point herself and more of a judge that we're seeing in the context of the show. So the function that she is performing on the practice so far in season four is different than the function she served in season three, which is odd considering she just won a motherfucking Emmy for season three. And a lot of oopsies. Okay. I like it. I mean, I, I know you and I know how much we love her, and she has she doesn't need our oopsies to to vindicate her. To be validated. Yeah. 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 Well, send your complaints to David E. Kelly. That's what we always say at the end of every episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I stand by it. <laughs> All right. So we do have an award to give out this week, and Holland Taylor is not eligible. Uh oh, wait, we already gave it. Sure did. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Well, we have more awards to give out, including... 
You killed your podiatrist or blew the case But you let a single tear run down your face You're the best actor on the show You know, for somebody who has devoted his life primarily to music, I barely know what is what end is up on a guitar. I'm ashamed of that. I really should learn someday. Uh, you know, Jen saw yesterday her piano. The piano came. Yes, yes. You, oh, so Jen's back. Oh, she well, you back, told me yeah. that. Yeah, that's exciting. She played it yet? Has she has she proven herself an advanced intermediate? Uh, she can read the right hand, which is far superior to my skills. So she's she wins. Hashtag Jen was right enough to to justify i've been playing it so much that it's already justified its cost to me so all's well Wait, i would just like to point out the the audible you threw in the mid the mid sentence hashtag jen was right enough well when it comes to marriage you'll find that being right enough is really the whole the whole point of the game <laughs> just but right you, enough you can't surrender that she was right you have to qualify it <laughs> By no, well, she, enough. I would say that you could make a strong argument that she oversold her abilities, but oh. but it's still the question was were they it was it enough to justify purchasing a piano? And it turns out yes, it, it's something we should have had all along. Also, the Bluetooth uh, we're moving, so it doesn't matter. But the Bluetooth runs from the living room all the way to my computer, so I can actually use it as a Bluetooth MIDI device. Oh, yeah, that's move it, cool. Which is pretty cool. I mean, that's nothing. that's cool. Yeah, that's a uh, it's more advanced than than my piano. My piano is a little older, so I cannot Bluetooth my piano. Anyway, yeah, let's uh, give out some awards. Yes, uh, you heard my diatribe already. If you were listening to the podcast about the understated acting in this episode, I'm a big fan of it. Uh, I'm going to make this short so that before I blow my computer up again, I think Michael Bataluco is the one who who takes this episode over the top for me. He had that one scene with Bobby, you know, even being able to notice what, well, I mean, clearly the actor had a cold, but also the, no reason that the character can't have a cold also. No, it, it fit. It actually fit the storytelling, which is why probably why they didn't go back and ADR it. Yeah, he just, he that was such a great scene. And throughout the episode, not just that scene, his, the stakes are very clear for him. His intentions are always clear and, Look, we don't have to agree with what he did or how he did it, but it, it was it, it was an awesome ride. So Michael Bataluco gets my Oopsie Award for Best Actor this week. Yeah, no, no question. I, I it's definitely Michael's episode, and I, you know, I was thinking uh, in his scene with Bay in the bar where they where he sort of like laid out the plan. It Michael gave Jimmy this different energy, it, because I I think due to his desperation in that moment. We saw this very confident Jimmy. He was laying it out. He had a plan. There was no like stuttering and malpropisms or anything like that. He was just really a confident, direct. And it was it's an interesting development of the character because bumbling Jimmy from season one wouldn't have been able to pull this off. Mm -hmm. And so even he's going in in sort of a sketchier way, there's a lot of growth in both the uh the character and in you know for and from Michael's performance. So congratulations, Michael Bataluco, on your fake award. Up next, the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. So last week, 
I, I, but you hesitated too long, and I'm like, I'm, there's dead air on this free podcast. Oh, God. <laughs> Save us from dead air. Oh, when we're talking, the air is dead as well, so it doesn't really make any difference. Yeah, oh, fair enough. So last week's Tom Brady was Union Square chess hustler Tom Brady, who won the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. That brings the big question, who wins the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady this week? I'm so glad I've forgotten to do it every time he's been on the pod. I have a suspicion this is the last time we see Winkler, mm-hmm. is my guess. And so, thank God we haven't overplayed the joke. I'd like to give this <laughs> week's Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady to Fonz Brady. Fonz Brady, okay. Yes, we have not overplayed the joke awarding 70-some-odd Tom Brady Awards for being Tom Brady from a uh, a character that won, that that he, Tom Brady used to write us in like a year ago. That's true. Like 50 episodes, but no, no, we're still... No, no, we've overplayed that joke. I meant we haven't oh, overplayed oh, okay. the, 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 the Fonz joke. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. In fact, I, overplaying it is the whole joke at this point with the Tom Brady thing, even if it's just us the joke is for. <laughs> Tom is long gone. Tom yeah. moved to Tampa. Yeah. He is he, he's he's done with that. Okay. Uh guys, we're almost done. I swear. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. Well, you know, I I like I think I liked the episode more than it was good. If that makes any sense? Okay. <sighs> You know, it, it goes to show what, how many elements go into a, a successful work of art, be it TV or any medium, because on their surface, the one case, literally not, there was nothing new in the Henry Winkler case. No new evidence was put into play. Right. It was just another swing for Jimmy to try to help him out. In the other, in the Rebecca and Eugene case, it wasn't a particularly interesting uh, civil case, uh, you know, it was negligence. We've seen it done before and probably better, but the acting was so great. The direction, as you've mentioned, and I'll let you talk about it, was so excellent. The scoring was great. We had a lot of serious beats and really high emotional stakes for a lot of our characters, whereas Eugene and Rebecca were defending their integrity. Michael, or uh, Jimmy, was sort of undermining their integrity in pursuit of what he considered justice, which was sort of a vigilante play, really, when mm-hmm. you think about it. Sure. And so all of that, I really enjoyed the ride and all of the set pieces, maybe more than the script as itself, you know, just the story on paper would have would have seen. So what I think would have been a kind of a seven story, all of the pieces build it up to, to a, a pretty solid eight spare tires for me. Yeah, no, I th- I think that's I think that's fair. Um, when I watched it the first time, I was like, "There's too many stories." You know, we we have an A and a B and a C. Um, but like you said, it it was so well executed, and this is you know again, you know, kudos to Alex Graves. You can always tell when it's his episode. It's usually a, a lit a little better, a little more saturated. I think he was like, "Guys, let's can we turn on the lights for this episode." Um, but also he shoots it so cinematically. Um, just watch the opening shot, the first 10 seconds of the show. And you have the, the camera descending and we're looking through 
two sets of bars and as they're getting closer to us, it's really remarkable filmmaking. Um, and you're right, you know, in terms of the underplaying of the scenes, um, and it certainly gave us a tremendous performance from Ken Howard. So I, I liked all of that. And I think what I like, but what I liked best about this episode was um, the Eugene and Rebecca case and the entire story about race being told in subtext. Nobody ever says the word race. Nobody says it out loud. Um, but the whole thing is clear through subtext. And, and it's what's really cool about it, you go back to the title of the episode, right? The title of the episode is Race Ipsa Locator, and it's referencing Res Ipsa Locator, which said, which basically is the matter speaks for itself. But if you look at the title of the episode, it's Race Ipsa lo Locator. So the title is Race Speaks for Itself, essentially. And so that's exactly what happened in the episode. It was never said out loud, but it spoke for itself. It was clear nonetheless, and that takes some skill. And I got to give kudos to David E. Kelly to be able to pull pull that off, because mm -hmm. um, it's really difficult to do, uh, you know, as a writer to to say something so specific and so strong, all with subtext. Right. Um. So well done. So I. So for that. I give this 8.25 spare tires. All right, now, so math. So math. And, but that gives us one more important question that we have still to get answered. What is the deal with the motherfucking jelly? That's right. We did say we were going to put it to bed today. Yeah. So I want to hear your theory. Then I'll have my theory. And so, and at the end of it, Guys, we need a vote. You can vote below on YouTube or on Facebook or Instagram. Which one of us, which one of our theories is correct? All right, who's so, going first then? Uh, you, you can go first. So all this time we're trying to figure out what the jelly had to do with, I, I forget his name, but let's just say Henry Winkler's character, the mm -hmm. doctor, the good doctor. Here's what I'm going to say. It had nothing to do with Henry Winkler. Henry Winkler wait, had wait, nothing. We, we, we should specify to, to remind folks that on the at the murder scene, the woman who was strangled had jelly all over her face, and part of what he did to rescue her was pull jelly out of her throat. But we also discovered a whole a cabinet. shelf of yeah. jelly at their home. All right, sorry. Go ahead. So Henry Winkler suffers from some clearly some obsessive compulsive behavior when it comes to the bugs and the squishing. Mm -hmm. I think that is hereditary and it actually got passed to the sun. The sun oh, has an obsession with jelly. Uh, it, clearly he, he has had some obsessions with murder and with violence and, and mm -hmm. the jelly uh, went hand in hand with that. So when he found out his dad was doing this bug thing with this lady and he went in to murder her, he needed to shove that jelly down her throat to, uh, to appease the obsessions that were cycling in his brain. So the reason we haven't heard about it is because it wasn't Henry Winkler at all. It was the son who was obsessed with jelly. That is my weird yet solid prediction. Keith? Okay. All right. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. All right. So here's my it makes theory. no sense, actually, but thank you. That, that, that has 
Uh, it makes as much sense as, uh, uh, as any of it. So here's my theory. So they needed cockroaches for her to step on, right? And he didn't have a source for the cockroaches. Oh. So like at a picnic, the ants come running for the jelly. The jelly was used to summon the cockroaches for them to step on. And so he was like, let's, let's ramp it up this week. I want you to put the jelly on your face and the cockroaches come to you onto you before you step on them. And I'm going to like, we're, we're upping the ante on the fetish this week. I got to tell you, buddy, rarely do I so readily admit defeat, but you definitely have the better hypothesis there. <laughs> uh, so David E. Kelly, write in and tell us <laughs> what the heck you were talking about. But you will have to do that later because we are moving on. If you would like to write us, you can write us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on social media at outofpracticepodcast on Instagram and Facebook. We have a blog, outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com. You can also watch us here on the YouTubes. Just search for Out of Practice. We're right here. Leave a comment below. We will happily respond and read it on the show. And please join the jury. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other service, and we will welcome you into the jury. You can also join our legion of founding sponsors to whom we are eternally grateful. And Mike's going to tell you how. As always, you can donate to the show, as Keith mentioned, in one of two ways, a one-time donation or a monthly contribution. You can find the appropriate links to do so in our show notes. We thank all of our current and future sponsors for helping us keep the show going and to everyone who engages with us on social media. And another way you can support the show is by telling a friend who might enjoy our nonsense or the podcast, maybe checking out the practice for the first time. So if you've got some free time, why don't you go ahead, drop those pants, grab that laser dick, and shoot off some laser sounds. <laughs> I knew that was coming. It still made me laugh. Laser sounds. <laughs> uh.